today. We're looking at currencies and currencies, commodities. commodities first up. Yep. Shall so, we start with gold? We'll it's always gold. nice to Let's think give about lots gold. Of gold jewelry on you, Jane. There, of course. Uh, yeah, so tinkle, tinkle. The gold, the, the gold price was up a dollar ten an ounce uh, to eighteen hundred and forty-seven dollars and forty-eight cents an ounce. So there are only a minor change there. Um, the copper price was down. $82.73 a tonne to $8,581 a tonne. And the tin price was down $541.70 a tonne to $28,107 a tonne. And the crude oil price was down $3.07 a barrel to $101.31. So the oil price was down a little bit. The oil price down a little. Are we Crude expecting that to flow on? This is oh, well, a rhetorical eventually, question. Eventually, it might do. <laughs> um, uh, the currency, the Australian dollar, was up a bit on the week, up up to uh, sixty nine point one nine US cents uh, against the Great British Pound. We're up again to fifty four point seven four pence, and against the New Zealand dollar, we were up to one dollar and six and the euro we're up sixty two point one four euro cents. Okay. So the A dollars worth a bit more across the board, you know, that might get you an extra I don't know what an extra one tenth ice cream of a cup of coffee, coffee or no, something. No, I won't get to that much. No, no, but if you save up for a week or so. Yeah, I'll just save up for a while, um, unless they're very cheap ice creams over there. Um, and the equity markets made us all a bit poorer. Um, the Australian All Ordinaries was down 47.7 points to 6,536. The S&P 500 was down 39.2 points to 2,783. And the Nikkei was down 147.8 points to 21,003. Um, so the oil market's all round down, 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 down. Some local, some stocks that local investors tend to hold. Um, a mixed bit of a mixed bag here. Um, BHP was up a dollar four to thirty-eight dollars and thirty-six cents. So it's heading back towards that forty-dollar mark with a bit, a bit of luck. I could get there next week. Um, CBA was down twenty-six cents to seventy-seven dollars and eighty-nine. NIB was down two cents to six dollars seventy-one. But that's that's still a good price. I mean, two weeks, three weeks ago, it was only five dollars eighty-one. So, so uh, you know, lots of, lots of people have they've held on to their. Uh, I was looking at the other day. My, my NIB dividends almost pay half my. Uh, uh, insurance premium now, so if you fell under your shores, yeah. yeah. Um, and Telstra, Telstra was down three cents to three dollars fifty-seven. Um, it's still well over three dollars, though. Isn't well it? over three dollars. Yeah. Okay. It's not up to the nine dollars. I think it was. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, um, the unleaded fuel price in Newcastle down one point three cents a litre to one dollar fifty one point eight cents a litre. Sydney a dollar fifty point five, which is down three point nine cents a litre. The diesel price was a dollar fifty two point one, which is up point three cents a litre. And the the diesel price in Sydney is dollar forty nine point one, which is also up point three cents a litre. So when the uh, fuel price, as in the petrol price, goes down. Would you not expect the diesel price to go down as well? You would expect because diesel is actually a byproduct of the refining yeah. process. I understand. So, so to make petrol, you end up with diesel. So, uh, 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 yes. Know. Anyway, it didn't. I don't know. <laughs> and retail prices are different to wholesale prices. So I don't know what 
what happens when you're a big diesel consumer. I imagine you're on some fixed price agreement. This is Thursday Finance and Stephen Pritchard. Time for our market update. And as, as we like to, we have Henry Jennings, who is Senior Market Commentator at Marcus today, joining us. And media star. Oh, and multimedia uh, stuff. And, and, and he's got a, a degree from New England. Well, we shouldn't mention that. Oh. Here we go. Yes. Go. It's all happening. It's all happening down there. Yeah. Uh, um, so, so, all happening is the RBA is talking about this talk. The RBA is going to reduce the interest rates at their next meeting, Henry? Yeah, I'm just uh, I'm just actually writing something for the newsletter on this. It's it's um, amazing, isn't it? There's well, there's one um, investment bank, uh, J.P. Morgan, that's now um, saying that there's going to be four rate cuts by 2020, down to half a percent for interest rates. That is extraordinary. Um, so the RBA meets next week, and it's widely anticipated that they're going to cut by a half or a quarter of a, a percent, and that usually is followed by another one. They don't do things by um, quarters. They do things by halves, but they do it in two, two yeah. tranches. Um, you'd have to say, you know, that, that is kind of crisis talk to some extent, and a lot of this um, talk on interest rates is because the economy has slowed, mm-hmm. um, and this is primarily a function of the housing market and confidence that has been uh, eking out of that uh, as an investment option and also the, uh, the, the problems that uh, Labor were going to impose on people with negative gearing and capital gains tax. That's all gone uh, to some extent. The banks are loosening their purse strings. Uh, APRA has um, uh, reduced that buffer rate that they use to um, examine and stress test loan servicing capacity. So you could argue that with tax cuts coming, a more stable political environment and housing showing signs of recovery, why would the RBA need to cut? Wouldn't it be good to actually wait and see how this all feeds through rather than um, shooting at the hip and using all their ammunition in one go? But um, the market wants what the market wants, and we'll see if um, if uh, Phil Lowe gets uh, pushed into it. But certainly interest rates around the world are falling. Yeah, well, once you get to a half, there's not much to go, is there? No, and you know what was interesting yesterday, Stephen, is that the 10-year bond yield dropped below the official cash rate. It was yielding 1.49% against cash at one and a half. So it just shows you the bond market at the moment is, uh, mm. is certainly smashing those yields down, not only in Australia but in the US as well. I would have thought it's an ideal time for the government to be borrowing money to build some infrastructure. Oh, there's a thought. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think I think they've been doing their bit. To be yeah. honest, the state government's been doing their bit. If you try and drive around Sydney, you'll um, yeah, you'll realise that they're I'll, doing I'll, their bit. I stand there on Tuesday, uh, yeah. and uh, Newcastle gold mines. Um, you know, this is something they actually do need to address. Um, Newcastle gold mines being forced to buy in water and invest in a new pumping station because their gold mine out at uh, near Orange is running out of water. Yeah, well, I guess this is one of the, uh, the consequences of the, um, of the drought, um, and this is persisting. It's just, um, you know, gold mines need water, and uh, if there's no water, we're about to get um, Sydney uh, water restrictions coming in, I think, on Saturday. Um, there's some predictions that uh, the, uh, the Cadia mine will run dry by July yep. um, on the back of this drought, so um, <coughs> it has been a major focus for, uh, for Newcrest, and uh, I'm sure they're not Robinson Crusoe in this one either. So um, I imagine there's a few other mines that have a similar issue too. Well, there's that one out at um, near Blaney. Though. I think it's Regis Resources out there. Yeah. Yeah, so probably an announcement from them soon as well. Yeah, uh, 
160 million litres of water a day to operate Cadia. It's a lot of water. That is a lot of water, isn't it? It's a lot of water. Yeah, so buying that is a very expensive operation. You would have thought they could recycle a lot of that. You'd think so, wouldn't you? You'd think that they would be able to put put some of that back in from... from that uh, operation, but yeah, I'm, I'm not an expert on, on water and gold mining, but I yeah. just, I just know it needs a lot. Yes. Anyhow, Telstra is facing a 200 million restructure cost blow. I don't know. kind of surprise there too much. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's all happening in the uh, in the telecom sector mm-hmm. at the moment. We've had a, a bid uh, for Vocus. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got the TPG and uh, Vodafone tie-up happening. We've got. 5G. I noticed that Telstra have started to uh, advertise its 5G uh, phones as a Samsung phone. Very expensive. Doesn't work yeah. in lots of places. Um, but they're starting to advertise the plans. And I guess if you're looking for those uh, mega speeds, I'm not quite sure what um, retail customers are going to do with those mega speeds. Um, but certainly they are huge, and, and Telstra is uh, pushing those hard at the moment. Their first cab off the rank with that. So the market actually kind of has taken uh, Telstra to be somewhat defensive. They did uh, provide guidance. Uh, they reaffirmed guidance, which was good. Um, so it looks as if the yield certainly is, is safe. Uh, and you've got the hype and kicker of 5G. So Telstra is actually one of the few stocks in the last few days that has actually done okay while the rest of the market's sort of mm. been in a downturn. So um, defensive, I guess. Yeah, and and this was a bit. This was a kind of a bit surprising to me because Maya Maya said that they're looking at shrinking their Belcon store in Canberra, which they've had for forty years. So I would have thought it would be some of the newer stores that that work. No, I would have thought something that's established for forty years. You would have known how that was performing. So it's yeah, a bit surprising. I mean, this is this is, I guess, is, is what Maya has been doing is trying to shrink to greatness, and rather than closing. Uh, stores en masse, which would uh, create a lot of problems in terms of getting out of all those leases and those liabilities. It's been shrinking the, the, the footprint of those stores. Um, clearly this one um, is, is maybe because it's been going 40 years, maybe it is a bit tired and uh, uh, needs to shrink to greatness, but um, it's a, a familiar strategy. The, the, the new guy at Meyer has been doing a relatively good job in a, in a tough market, and certainly um, Solly Lou has been quite um, quite quiet recently in, in getting in his ear, which is a good thing, and just kind of left him to get on with it. So um, that is good. But shrinking to greatness seems to be the way of Maya at the moment, that's mm. for sure. So we might come back in a minute and talk about uh, sure. Suncorp and BAQ. Thursday Finance and Stephen Pritchard. We are picking the brains of Henry Jennings on the market, finding out what's happening. That won't um, take long, will it? To pick my brain. Oh, well, you know, <laughs> it depends. It depends what we want to know, I suppose. So the Suncorp CEO has resigned after four years. Yeah. Um, um, which is uh, a bit surprising. Uh, yeah, I think the market was a little bit surprised. Um, he's been um, he's been there for four years, as you say, and he's been trying to put in a, a whole new program, digital platform, bringing the bank up to date, etc., and doing an awful lot of uh, behind-the-scenes tinkering. But he's decided that um, enough is enough. He's he's off, um, and uh, they're now looking to find a new CEO for that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting timing, I guess, given that the Royal Commission is out the way. Yes, and then the, and then the BAQ chairman's decided to retire as well. 
Yeah, he's been there for about uh, a bit longer. I think. Yeah, he's been there for a while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's been there for quite a while, but he's retiring at the end of October at the AGM. Um, and there has been some stories in the newspapers recently that Bank of Queensland and Bendigo Bank would be a logical tie-up, taking a lot of um, costs out of their two businesses. And I guess they could then become the fifth pillar of the four pillars um, as a bigger entity to, uh, to take on the big four. And it probably does make some sense, but... Um, at the moment, we've heard nothing official, but I'm, I'm sure these two uh, players have been talking because they, they do uh, have uh, not, not a lot of overlaps, really, in terms of territory, but a lot of overlaps in terms of technology, I'd imagine, um, and that they could uh, really rationalise and cut out some of those costs, which is code for sacking people. Yeah, and I think... Have, have you been to Bendigo? Uh, yes, once. Yes, well, if you, if you go into Benigo and there's this great big building in town that occupies a huge amount of space, and it's the bank. So I, 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 And there's a lot of shareholders around Benigo, still shareholders in that bank. So I, I'd be surprised if any merger with Benigo, Benigo wouldn't want to be the head office. So, uh, I think, well, I think they would probably hold the whip hand yeah, in, the, in yeah. the discussions. Unlike but, um, the previous uh, BAQ attempt to take them over, I think. Exactly. So uh, both very parochial, as you say. Um, you know, Bendigo is founded on gold mining, yep. and uh, you've got Bank of Queensland, which um, we've seen in, in the last election is kind of um, somewhat a law unto itself. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and Woolworths. Woolworths's uh, buyback's been scaled back by 85%. Yeah, that was hardly a surprise, was it? It was a very, um, very good buyback scheme for a lot of people, and especially given the timing before yep. the election with a lot of nervousness around franking credits, etc. Um, it was hardly surprising that a lot of people applied for that. Um, and, uh, yeah, big, big scale back there for that uh, that thing. So not a real surprise, but um, share price still doing relatively well, yes. I have to say. Yeah, and uh, one last thing, the, the Linus is in the news again. Um, the you know, the, the uh, rare earth metal uh, share yeah. price has gone up because Beijing's threatened to uh, stop selling... Weaponize. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, a, new, a new term. Yes, it is. Uh, yeah, Linus is a, is a rare earths uh, producer. They have a project in Western Australia called Mount World, and they ship it up to Malaysia. A lot of political um, toing and froing with their license to uh, to do that in Malaysia. Rare earths are um, not that rare. Producing them safely and without all the radioactiveness is the trick. China does it, and they supply 80% of the world's rare earths, which are used in smartphones, uh, jet planes, missile systems, anything basically high-tech has a lot of this stuff in it. Um, and because they've got 80% of the world's supply, um, the uh, president of China, uh, President Xi, off he went to a rare earth plant the other week and got tongues wagging that maybe they were going to weaponize rare earths. And as a result, we're going to uh, block the export of rare earths from China into America and other places as, uh, as sort of tit-for-tat retaliation for the trade wars. And as a result, uh, rare earth prices have increased. Linus has gone bananas. Um, it's trading now at $2.84, which is an awful long way away from that uh, bid price that um, West Farm has offered, which I think was two twenty-five. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely gone bananas, even though they still have some licensing issues in, uh, in Malaysia, although they think they've got those sorted now. So it has ignited not just Linus, but also um, other little stocks like uh, NTU, Northern Territory. They have a, uh, a heavy rare earths um, facility, uh, Brown's Range, and uh, Chinese rare earth stocks have also gone for a run. So it's going to be interesting to see if it actually comes to pass 
but uh, certainly the threat is there that um, all those little cool bits of metal that iPhones and other things need mm-hmm. may be in short supply. Yeah, so that's uh, yeah, so that's interesting. It wasn't so long ago that Linus shares were, were, were really in the doldrums, and now they're... Yeah, well, I always used to write in the newsletter that it was one of the most strategic assets in in, in the oh, listed because you know there's nobody else that really supplies mm-hmm. this stuff apart from the Chinese and the, and the Japanese mm-hmm. got behind Linus because of this because they make a lot of this high tech stuff <laughs> and they need it so they've been funding them for a long time but mm-hmm. uh, West Farmers obviously decided that they were strategic and the market has now decided it's very strategic so off they go off they go. Okay, well, we've got to go off too, Henry. So I'll talk to you next week. Talk to you next week, Stephen. Okay, thanks, Henry. This is Thursday Finance. And Stephen Pritchard, everybody needs to plan their finances, but at the moment we're going to think about baby boomers. Well, baby boomers, baby boomers, um, you know, depending on which age you are and there's, you know, there's a kind of great definition. Baby boomers should have been well into planning their finances, but, you know, it's never too late. So so the first thing we need to think about, and this applies particularly to baby boomers, but also everyone, you need to look at what legal documents. And you basically, you know, you need some estate planning. And the first thing about estate planning is you need to have in place a will. Now, a lot of people keep putting off a will because they kind of think that if they make a will, they're going to die. But I can assure you um, that's not the case. I suppose that's one of the things, <laughs> along with taxes, that is certain, isn't it? Well, it's a, well, <laughs> it's a certainly. Yeah. And as far as we know, there's only one person ever come Although Kerry Packer came back, didn't he? So, <laughs> so dear people who've ever come back. So, apart from that, yeah, you need to make you need to make a will, um, and and more so, particularly if you're from a blended family, you, you unless you want an absolute nightmare when you pass away, you need to make a will, and you need to lodge um, binding death nominations for your super fund, or at the very least, you need to instruct your super fund that the this, the, the money is to be paid to your executive and be dealt with in your will. So, 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 so there's some tax reasons why you get the super fund to pay the pay your beneficiaries direct rather than put in your will. But you know you need to address the issues. Um, the next thing you probably need is a power of attorney. Yes. It's surprising how many people haven't got a power of attorney, and they, they can be they can be extremely useful for all sorts of things. Um, you know, for example, if the Woolworths buyback, you want to take it up, you needed to have the form signed. You're over in um, tripping away in um, the other side of the world, in, in South America or something. Yeah, uh, your power of attorney can act and take those those things up. Now, your power of attorney, you can have you know broad general ones, or you can limit what the power of attorney you can can do for you. So you can, okay. you can yeah, yeah, you can really customize it. You can customize it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and does it come sort of in a standard format? I don't know. I'd go to the lawyer and do it. I wouldn't recommend doing these things um, yourself yourself because, Mm. you know, it usually doesn't cost much. If you want a standardised power of attorney, I wouldn't expect the lawyer would charge more than a couple hundred dollars. If you want customised things, the the bigger the estate and the more customisation you want, the bigger the fees got. And you need to think about, if you want to cut down on your legal fees, um, you need to, to, to... to, to think about what you want to do before you get to the lawyers. And, you know, the lawyer's going to charge you generally by the hour. Um, and if you go along and then 
you know, you've got your spouse there and you start talking between yourselves about what's going to be done by the estate and you haven't decided who's going to get what, you know, the lawyer's going to be sitting there and, you know, someone's got to pay for his time. Mm. So, you know, sort all that out, write it down, then go along to the lawyer and get him to, you know, put it in the format you want. And, and is, are there, is there something online, for example, that you can look up that gives you an idea oh, of I'm the sure, sort of oh, things I'm you can sure, do? Sure there is. It's probably, yeah. I'm sure there is. Yes. Yeah. Otherwise you're discussing it with the person who knows. Yeah, well, that's yeah. right. I mean, most, but most things, most things have always been done before. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, but particularly there's an issue if you've got blended families and, you know, the wife or the husband's got a second, second family somewhere on the line and, you know, they create issues. And the other thing is enduring guardianship. If you if you need to go into a nursing home or something happens um, to you, you need someone to make medical decisions for you. Yeah, you need to probably get that in place. Now these these enduring guardians and powers of attorneys, um, you don't have to have one person. You can have people that have to act jointly, or one person, or you know you can tailor all these up. But you need to get those in place and think about it. Just to make sure it all happens, yeah, yeah. Um, and then as we spoke to, as we spoke last week with um, Ian Moranti, um, you know, you need to think about what lifestyle you need to want to lead in retirement. So we might just come back in a minute and talk about that. It's Thursday, finance continues, and Stephen Pritchard, we're talking about financial planning, especially for baby boomers, and we've looked at the uh, the, the documents that we have to we should, should, be should look in should place, look at and, and to avoid leading, leaving a mess for someone else. Mm. Yes, yes. So, what's our next consideration? And, and the next consideration is, you know, coming coming into retirement, you need to think about what sort of lifestyle you want. You know, yes. you need to be the further away from retirement, you've got the more chance you've getting to what you want right? yes so what sort of lifestyle you want in retirement and and you need to plan these things out i mean are you going to look at you, you know you should try and go into retirement with all your debts paid off so if you need to borrow money for a new car or something you, you need to think three or four years out from retirement so are you going to replace the car before you retire um are you going to want some home renovations you, you know are you going to think of moving so all these things need to be thought out and planned and you need to work out how much money you need to have in retirement to fund all these things mm. right yes now, now a lot of people retire um, and then they want to go on this overseas trip. Well, all this costs money, so so you need you need to you need to plan it. And and despite what people say, I mean, I'm just looking at our clients. They they all seem to people who have seemed to have planned a bit. You don't seem to need that much money. They they, they all tell me that their their living expenses kind of go down. So I, I don't I don't know how that occurs, but I'm just saying what they say. Mm. Um, and, oh, perhaps they sit and read the paper, and that just costs. Them. <laughs> no, some of them reckon that, that some of these trips that they go on on these 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 cruise things, it cruises down the various European rivers seem to be okay. popular at the moment, and and, um, and Cambodia. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, they they reckon it's, it costs as much as not much more than than being at home. So, uh, oh well, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so, but it, yeah, all these need, need to to uh, all these things cost money. You need to plan it out, um, and then you need to look at how you're funding it. And while you're still working, of course, you probably should look at um, increasing your superannuation fund. Uh, yeah, pay off your debt, mm-hmm. pay off your home, increase your superannuation contributions because there's tax advantages in that. Look at um, 
taking advantage of the 25000 deductible amount, either through um, salary sacrifice or personal contributions you can make, but they have to be in the fund in this year. Prior to the 30th of June, the fund has to receive them if you want the tax deduction in this year. And look at... Um, then you can top up with uh, non-deductible contributions up to $100,000 per annum. So, you know, you need to go back, do a bit of planning, and then um, if you need some advice, there's plenty of people around who can give you some advice. Mm-hmm. There's also mm-hmm. um, the eight, uh, the um, ASIC has got various calculators and a number of fund managers have got various calculators. Um, but one, one word of warning, don't put the variables in the calculators to get the uh, result you want put in uh, put in <laughs> put in reasonable return rate so look if you balance superannuation fund you probably need to put in a return rate about seven not 17 percent so you just just be wary of those and that, that you're putting the reasonable numbers into them so uh, the calculators on the websites are, uh, and ASIC has one, as you oh, said. Oh, ASIC has one. Most of the major superannuation funds have well, got one. Mm-hmm. They probably all give you different answers, but they should be probably, you know, reasonable. In the ballpark. Ballpark. You mm-hmm. know, I'd check a couple of them. Mm-hmm. Um, the major the major variables will be the 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 return on the investment. That will be the major variable. And, and that, that you can't predict, of course. Well, yeah. you, you can't actually predict, but if you look at the long-term average, if you've got a balanced um, balanced type investment portfolio, um, you probably should model around the 7 to 8%. I wouldn't go much higher than that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And if you're, you know, if you're very conservative, 3 or 4%. Um, okay. Okay. And the costs, of course, of things like new cars are going to go up as time yeah, goes on. That's or at right. least, I don't know about cars. Sometimes they seem to come down. I, I don't know whether the cars have come down, but you seem to get more things in them. Yes. I, I think I think yes. that the, the prices of not necessarily come down. I mean, there's some really cheap ones now, but but the the middle road ones I don't think have come down so much. But they haven't gone up, and you, and you're getting more suppose value. I mean, you go along and you get all sorts of wonderful things and the stuff that was on the high-end models like this variable, um, variable, what's it called, variable cruise control that automatically puts the brakes on if you get too close. Mm. You know, they're coming down to the mid-range and the cars now. So, um, mm. so it's As all, you say, more things yeah. going into them. So, yeah, but a car's a big expense and a car costs money to operate. So if you've got two cars, you need to think about do you really need two cars? Mm-hmm. Um, and can you get by with one? And that will save you at least $10,000 a year. And, of course, you've always got the thought that uh, you can cut down on your cups of coffee. We've oh, talked yeah, about well, that in retirement, no, cups of coffee at home, cups of coffee out. They, you know, all right, they're yeah. all very no, good. No, but people going out like to go. And people in retirement tend to go out and And, and enjoy shops. cups of coffee. Uh, <laughs> Excellent. Uh, well, so there's some financial planning for baby boomers. Thank you, Stephen Pritchard. Thanks, Jane. And we'll be back with Thursday Finance next uh, Thursday after the midday news. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>